0: Welcome into the 11 Dubcast, presented by safe Light auto glass. Keep the drive going with safe Light. I am Bo Bishop Johnny Ginter on the other end. I, have, I don't know if I've ever started a uh, uh, one of these with a line from dumb and dumber, but it's what what jumps into my head. So you're saying there's a chance one um, <laughs> in a million. Yeah, not really anymore. And, and we'll get to that. But I, what a chaotic crazy weekend in college football that leaves Ohio State now on the precipice of getting back to the playoff like a week after being just completely dead. They're definitely not dead now. We'll get to some of those specifics in a second. But let's start with the, the chaos that we witnessed at high noon Saturday at the Horseshoe Johnny Ginter. Because what, what, what to me what happened on Saturday was every bit as shocking and surprising and mind-blowing as what happened the week before at Iowa. It wasn't that Ohio State beat Michigan State. Certainly not. It wasn't that Ohio State lost to Iowa. No, you could wrap your head around that. It was that they got smoked by Iowa. And then it was that they smoked Michigan State. I mean, this was a series. It was a one-point series when Urban and D'Antonio had played over the previous five times. It had never been over 12. And then to have an annihilation, a game that's over at half, I mean, that was just as shocking to me. And, And you're left wondering, And I was thinking this. I think I tweeted it on Saturday before all of the chaos ensued. It's games like this that are going to make you wake up the day after the Big Ten championship game and go, How did we miss out on this? Because you see the potential of what this team can be. It was, what was it? What was your experience like watching it? It was nothing short of shocking to me.
1: Well, see, I, you know, we had the, we had the dub gate, which was great. A lot of right. people turned out for that. It was excellent. It was extremely cold, but I was really happy with the turnout. I mean, for all those, you know, listening to this, who ended up coming out. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I think we got something like $3,000 in just ticket sales alone. So that was incredible Um, for down syndrome achieves. And so, you know, Jason's like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not standing out, out here any longer than I have to. So he gave me a couple tickets and I was like, I don't even know that I want to be out here. Cause I was out since like eight 30 and so man, I don't, I don't want to spend seven and a half hours, eight hours outside. Um, you know, in 20 degree weather, but I was trying to get rid of them and the scalpers weren't having it. You know, they wanted like 20 bucks for each. I'm like, God, this is, yeah, I'm not doing this. So I ended up going and I just had extra butt room, you know? And, uh, I, I mean, I was, I was surprised in that the, the butt whipping was so thorough. I really didn't expect Ohio State to come out and just annihilate Michigan State, especially after, you know, Mark D'Antoni's little smirk. You got to believe that that smirk could count for at least two touchdowns. Um, (laughs) But but it didn't. And what I thought, so here's the thing. So I think Ohio State played extremely well. I think they had a very good offensive game plan. The defensive line was unbelievable. There are a lot of really good positives to take from that. I will say though that I was kind of shocked on the Michigan State side that their offense seemed to be completely uninterested and trying to exploit some of the things that Iowa did because they did a lot yeah. of they did a lot of dumb stuff offensively. And I'm like, yeah, it's right there for you. You're missing some. You had two guys, two linebackers who were out at the beginning of the game. You should be taking advantage of this and it felt like they never even really tried. So that's kind of my take on it. I, I don't know really what Weird kind game. of read to pick up from it, but. Yeah.
0: No, it was I you, you speak about the tickets and the ticket brokers. I ate mine. I tried <laughs> to give them away to family and friends and everything and I never do this, but I listed them on the Ohio State Ticket Exchange for face value, which I think was like $190 a ticket. On which is of course, I mean the price of it is the big reason they were empties, but so that right. was I think that was on Sunday by wednesday there were no bites so i just put it down to the absolute lowest that they would allow me to list them at which was like 73 dollars a ticket (laughs) so i was going to eat what is that 160 bucks right anyway and um um, no what am i talking about 100 200 bucks a ticket basic or you know combined i I ate all of it nobody bought them at 73 bucks and i have really good seats and nobody bought them they went they went unused. I mean, I ate three hundred eighty dollars or whatever the heck it was, whatever yeah, the price. Completely was. unsurprising. It was shocking. It was shocking. Like I've never, I never have never seen that that there just wasn't an interest, and it had to be because of Iowa. Um, after after that, there just wasn't interest in the game. I don't know if I mean clearly the price, the face value price affected it. That's way too much for Michigan State, and it's ultra greedy for Ohio State to try and charge that on a Michigan state game at 190 It's just ridiculous to to charge that you do that for Michigan fine even that i think you know pretty duplicitous but to do it for Michigan state just silly um, but nevertheless um, so i ate him so it was that was shocking that i ate ohio state tickets which i've never done in however many years i've had season tickets and um, and so that was shocking and then just the way it was this was like you remember how we said last week against iowa it was like all of the fears buckeye fans had in terms of jt barrett's mistakes and the defense not being up to par all of those fears were realized and then yeah. this week everything that we've been saying about what ohio state should be they were you mentioned yeah. the defensive line my god LaWorke had no shot he had no shot in this game um how many times have we said power tempo run well that's what they did they didn't get, they didn't have to chase the game at iowa they throw the pick six in the first series and they end up chasing the game the whole time even though they don't have to because it's Seventeen to seven, but for whatever reason, in their mentality, the coaching mentality is they're chasing the game. In the game against Michigan State, Ohio State punched in the mouth and just kept punching, and they ran right at them, and they went Dobbins and Weber, and they said, "You can't stop us. We dare you," and they couldn't. And it was, uh, it was an evisceration, the likes of which is was just as shocking as the Iowa loss. I really mean that. And it was, it kind of showed you what Ohio State can be if if playing, if hitting on all cylinders. And and it's it was impressive. It was fun. It was a it was a really shocking, impressive Saturday afternoon.
1: Well, I mean, it's weird because you look at Iowa and you look at Michigan State. You don't really see teams that are that demonstrably different. I mean, obviously, you've you've got I think you know in, in no. some players at Iowa, you've got some players that are pretty good. But it's not like you know you got one team that's just kind of garbage and then one team that's you know kind of an up and comer and is really going to make some noise. I mean, they're they're functionally pretty close in terms of talent level. Yeah. So, to see that kind of extreme difference in outcome is, is really kind what of ridiculous. It? 70 um, point swing? Yeah, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, a lot of that maybe can be chalked up to preparation and coaching and things like that. But even still, yeah. uh, that, that's pretty insane to me. Um, you know, I, the defensive line for me was really watching it in the stands. I mean, you're absolutely right when you said that they had no shot at throwing None. the ball because on every play, uh, you know, Michigan State with quarterback just running for his life on everything. And, you know, you look at some of the guys who've got sacks. A lot of those dudes who are getting sacks are getting sacks because the, the quarterback ran into their arms because they were being chased by three other defensive linemen. And that's right. And, it, you know, if you have a defensive line that is that effective, you don't need to have a really awesome passing game because you're essentially getting three and outs on most of the drives. You can start wherever you want. And, to your point about the running game for Ohio state, what I thought was really impressive was watching Mike Weber burn dudes, which is not something I thought was possible, but right. apparently he can outrun an entire defensive secondary. So that's fun to yeah. see. That's nice to know that that's, I'm that's something. He's doing. So yeah. it was, it was pretty great awesome. all around.
0: No, it was, it was, um, and if, you know, whether they get to the playoff or not is, you know, it, it, on a couple of occasions at home, at least you've seen this team at its best and yeah. they're on pace and on track to win the big 10. Uh, to, they'll be a big favorite over Wisconsin should they should they get there and should that be the game. Um, so you, you've you had some good experiences. Your last few experiences are going to be good ones where Ohio State's concerned. And so, you know, Penn State, Michigan State, I mean, Illinois is basically a bye week, so hard hard to get too jacked up about that. But in terms of those two games, you saw two great games out of this team at home. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. In in terms of that national championship picture, and Urban Meyer has the press conference of the century where he's basically says, I'm not having it. I'm not going to have any talk about national champ of the both playoff about where we are, where we're going. I'm not having it. People kept asking me, wouldn't have it. The reality is that because of an incredible amount of chaos this weekend, the two things that really jump out are the the whipping that Miami puts on Notre Dame, eliminating the Irish and the whipping that Auburn puts on Georgia, because by Auburn beating Georgia. Um, it gets you a step closer to eliminating the possibility of two SEC teams in the playoffs. So that was right. huge. Um right. I can paint a pretty a pretty clear picture, pretty clear and pretty realistic picture of Ohio State getting in the playoff. and I, I really think it's almost as simple as this. if Alabama wins out, if Oklahoma wins out, if Miami wins out, and if Wisconsin beats Michigan this week, and Wisconsin is undefeated and ranked third or fourth in the country when Ohio State plays them in the Big Ten championship game and hammers them, buddy. You're going to the playoff. I think it's I that simple.
1: I agree with that. I don't even know that they have to hammer them. I think, honestly, like if Ohio State comes out and, and beats, you know, Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship and they, they went out, I don't even know that necessarily has to be that great. I just think if you've got essentially what at that point would be an undefeated Wisconsin team. Um, and then Ohio State, I mean, that's that to me, I think would be enough for the, the playoff committee to look at that and go, you know what? We're looking for bucks. We're looking for viewers. I think that'll do it. And I think they're fine with that. I mean, because ultimately this is about, you know, how many people are going to be tuning in. And we've been looking at these insane uh, viewership numbers all season for yeah. people in Columbus and Ohio. Like they're not going to turn that down. If Ohio State has won the Big Ten championship over a Wisconsin team, that's definitely going to be, you know, in the top seven or six or five. Uh, I don't know how you leave Ohio State out of that. Um, I'm still... Now, a, see, I won't I, go
0: there. I won't advocate for them. Okay. I can't well, no,
1: no, well that's, what I'm, that's what I was about to say, because you I know? agree with you. I don't know that I would advocate for Ohio State either. I no. just think in in terms of their thinking about how they select teams, sure. I think that would make Ohio State a shoo But you're absolutely right. Does Ohio State necessarily deserve it over another team? That is a different debate, and I don't know that I would necessarily say that they are better than every single, you know, maybe... a up 12 and one team that's going to be out there. But as far as the playoff committee is thinking is, you know, how they work stuff out, I would not be shocked at all if that was enough to get them in.
0: Yeah. It, what what'll be very interesting, you know, this was always a this is always a tricky conversation because it's best versus most deserving. And right, even exactly. with a win over Wisconsin, it's hard to say that Ohio State would be the most deserving because of yeah. the fact, and it is a fact, that they were hammered at Iowa. Hammered. Right. So we and they and they're hammered by Oklahoma. So those are those are things that we that are not fake news. That that's real. It happened. We all watched it. So you the idea that Ohio State would be the most deserving, I think, is a harder sell, and that's why I'm not going to advocate. I think you can easily say they're one of the four best teams if you watch football week in and week out. You can see that there there are several flies in the ointment for Ohio State. Number one would be Miami and Clemson reaching. The ACC title game, neither with another loss before that point, and Miami losing a close game to Clemson, mm-hmm. be hard to keep the Hurricanes out. Yeah, if their only loss is a close game to Clemson in the ACC title game, and they have done everything else um, that that was asked of them, and they were sitting there, at, you know, twelve and one, that would be hard to keep them out. Their resume would probably be better than Ohio State's. Um, the The other, the bigger fly in the ointment, even than that, though, to me, would be an Auburn win over Alabama. If Auburn were to beat Alabama in the SEC title game and then beat Georgia again in the SEC or in the Iron Bowl and then beat Georgia in the SEC title game, Auburn would get in with two losses over Ohio State with two losses, and yeah. and Alabama with one loss is absolutely getting in. So right. that to me is the bigger issue. If the third issue for Ohio State would be the Oklahoma issue, which would be Ohio Oklahoma would get in over Ohio State um, because of the head to head. So the, there are all there are all sorts of flies in the ointment, but but the scenario that we painted out: Bama win, OU win, Miami win, Wisconsin relevant, top five in the country, undefeated when you play them. It's not unrealistic. In fact, it's the the of the of those scenarios, the Miami winning out is is probably the one that's hardest to wrap your head around. But the other ones are very likely, in my opinion. So right. I, I you're think set to me... up to be the four seed, and you're set up to go play Bama in the Sugar Bowl again. If that seems familiar, it should.
1: <laughs> right, and people would enjoy that, and, and they would enjoy setting that up. I To me, I think the SEC is going to be the biggest question mark here because you've essentially got three teams that could go any direction, really. I mean, I'm not really convinced. Like, you know, Alabama, watched the Mississippi State game. Alabama's got a lot of really great things about their team, and it's a Nick Saban team, so, you, you know, they're obviously going to be prepared, and they're going to know what they're doing and well-coached. But talent-wise, they're not as dominant as – Alabama teams in the past and I don't know what's going to happen with them in the last part of the season I don't know if you know they're an automatic like lock to you know when the SEC like a lot of people would say especially after you know what happened to Georgia so I I just I don't know I, it's that to me is something that's really up in the air and I think the outcome of that will go a long way towards determining the other you know teams that are going to be in the uh, the playoff because you're right. I mean, if Alabama ends up you know kind of running the table, or there's maybe just a, you know one loss other team in there, then it's going to be hard not to put in two SEC teams. I think uh, if that's the way the committee wants to go.
0: So. Yeah, certainly if it's Auburn. I mean, if Auburn beats if Auburn were to beat the number one team in the country last week, if they're to beat the number one team in the country in two weeks, and if they're to beat, yeah. beat Georgia again, right. you know, they would have a more impressive resume as a two loss than Ohio State. The other score. School- that you'll hear people discuss over the coming weeks will be USC and Notre Dame. You're not going to get much advocating for Notre Dame just because they got hammered at Miami, but you could very easily argue if you are Notre Dame that your loss at Miami is much more impressive than oh, and your loss to Georgia by a point is much mm-hmm. more impressive than Ohio State getting hammered at home by Oklahoma and getting drilled by Iowa. Uh, losing to Miami, there's you know you got hammered, but Ohio State got hammered at Iowa. So if you're Notre Dame, you could make that argument, and Notre Dame is one of the few who could absolutely – you saw the ratings from the Notre Dame-Miami game. They're one of the few who can go toe-to-toe with Ohio State from a television revenue standpoint and say, we'll bring the eyeballs because they will. I mean, they're like Ohio State. There's not many that are, but Notre Dame is. USC, you know, their two losses and and what – I think like the Pac-12 is almost entirely forgotten. Um, And then the other thing would be if Oklahoma were to trip up and lose in the Big 12 title game in a close game to like TCU or however that's going to all shake out – you know, Oklahoma would have the tiebreaker in that over Ohio State and that they've played them head to head. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. But when we were sitting here doing this thing a week ago and the way that we all felt after the Iowa game, we're saying it's done. Urban yeah. Meyer's going to play his first irrelevant November. I remember saying that. I mean, he's playing the most irrelevant November. Then all of a sudden you go, oh, wait, he's got to beat Michigan. He can still win the Big Ten. And now here we sit a week later and you go, you know what? You can still win the national title. It's not out of the question. And the path isn't impossible. It's not that murky. Um, and it goes to, it speaks to, and, and this is the overriding issue to me, and it's a good issue, is the the magic of college football. There right. is nothing that will happen or has happened or will happen in the NFL in the regular season that can match what will happen on any given college football Saturday. And, Johnny, it happens most Saturdays. Chaos right. ensues most Saturdays. There aren't many that are mundane. Most of them are wacky and crazy, and the games mean so much, and every game matters. There is nothing in the, the National Football League can do that can match it. The Super Bowl yeah. is the Super Bowl, but up until that point, they got nothing on college football—not a damn thing. I mean, what we get, what you what you are served up on a Saturday weekly weekend week out basis is as good of of a viewer. It's as good as you can consume sports in this country.
1: I agree. It delivers every Saturday. It's stunning, really, that it does. And here's, I want to give credit to somebody that maybe, you know, we like to rip on a little bit or or maybe doesn't love to get a lot of credit or we don't love to give them a lot of credit. But I think, and and maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but Jim Delaney, who has really pressed for Big Ten teams to start scheduling, you know, kind of like out-of-conference opponents to kind of stretch their brand a little bit, that has put pressure on other conferences and other teams to go, you know what? we actually have to have some kind of marquee matchup on certain weeks. And that has led college football to have like this scenario where you can have literally basically every week a giant marquee matchup that's out of conference a lot of the time that can draw people in from the beginning of September through the end of November. And it's it's set up in such a way to create this kind of drama. And I give a ton of credit for the guys who have gone out and said, you know what, this is for our brand, this is to get eyeballs, this is to get people in the stands. Uh, we're going to create these exciting matchups, and we're going to do it all throughout the season. And that's why, I mean, you know, people were kind of ragging on some of these SEC teams for for playing, you know, like five and five, you know, FBS goals or whatever, and um, or FC or you know, the, the lower tier schools. Yeah, I think Auburn's and, playing you know, Oregon State this week, right? And, and you know right. what? Like ten years ago, <laughs> people wouldn't even bat an eye at that. That was that was expected. But now people are ragging them all over for that because that's simply, well, you know, the shouldn't be done anymore because that's not how college football's kind of evolved in the past four.
0: Well, the reason that that's done is because Auburn played Clemson in week two. Yeah. So, or whenever they played Clemson and Alabama played Florida state. And so what the sec has done uh, brilliantly, and we've talked is that they have now, now the big Ten's catching up, but what Mm -hmm. the sec set the table at was we're going to play great games in the first two weeks of the season when the NFL isn't starting. And we're going to own the college football chatter the first two weeks. And they did it with South Carolina and Texas A&M. And they would play all these out of comp. I mean, Florida played Michigan. So they did all that. And then what they would do is they would, instead of playing like how Ohio State used to play, like the four cupcakes to start under Tress. Remember those fun days? They'd play the four cupcakes to start. they take one of the cupcakes and they put them right before the rivalry game. Yeah. And then hardly anybody other than us notices it, that they're doing it because it's just a random, you know, it's the Saturday before the rivalry game. So almost every, that's. Almost, that's that's almost become standard practice in the SEC to play those cupcakes because they play the non-conference teams early in the season, or they. Saban plays all those neutral site games. He's played one like five, six years in a row. Um, so that that's the way that it works out. It, it's it is the, the I'll tell you, give Delaney and the rest of them credit for this because, and, and give everybody involved in college football credit because by having a playoff, by having the BCS and then the playoff, you make every game matter. There's not another sport that we consume that every game matters. Not another one. I mean, you can coast. There's nothing that you can put. You put your money down. You know you're going to be entertained for your dollar. doesn't happen in the NBA. It doesn't happen in Major League Baseball. Not, not, not game in, game out. certainly doesn't happen in the NFL, game in, game out. I mean, we right. live in the same state as the Bengals and the Browns, and look at the <laughs> uh, there's no There's no thrill to any of it. And in the meantime, college football, because you care about what everybody else is doing because it does affect you, when you think about how that Saturday night, last Saturday, played out after we have the big win in the afternoon, the way it played out in the evening, it affected us. And so you're glued to it. And you're watching Notre Dame get smoked and you're watching Alabama almost lose. And you watched Auburn smoke Georgia. You watched Oklahoma handle its business. That's a beautiful thing. And it's rare. And it's um to me, that's why college football is is the best sports. It is the best sports experience for the consumer. And its I don't even think second place is close on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, Speaking of good things for the consumer, there is a clear choice in auto glass repair, folks. And we are, I got to tell you, we're so proud to have them as the title sponsor of this fine program, the Dubcast. They've been with us all season. We're very grateful for it. Safe Flight Auto Glass, Columbus-based, the best in the business. And they've become that for very simply a very good reason that nobody does it better than them. They're as good as it gets at replacing and repairing auto glass. Here's how it works. You're on a road trip. You go to get the groceries, picking the kids up from school, whatever you're doing, you get a chip in your windshield. First of all, it's dangerous to drive that way. Second of all, if it is a chip, it can grow into crack and something worse. So immediately you want to call light. They're either going to repair it or replace it. Completely at your convenience. And I mean this. they come to your house on your time when you want them to, and they fix it. It takes a little more than an hour. They're in, they're out, they're done. You got a new windshield. It's fantastic. I've had the safe light experience myself. I can't recommend it highly enough. Keep the drive going with Safe Flight. It is our pleasure to be joined by one of uh one of our favorite players to ever wear the Scarlet and Gray, one of the best as well. Uh War 47. Chick wore it before him. He was pretty good. So was AJ Hawk. He joins us now on the program. Uh, AJ, let's, let's first, before we get into all the things that you've got going on, I want we, we got to talk some Buckeyes and, and I, I want to know as a player, if you can make sense of what happened on a week to week basis with Ohio state, you know, two weeks ago, you're looking at a team that gave up 55 at Iowa gets hammered by the Hawkeyes. And you say, boy, they're, they're done. The season's done. They're not, they're not, they don't deserve to do anything. Then a week later they hammer Dino and Dino doesn't get hammered. And they hammered him at home. Uh, as you're watching that, what what do you see? How, how does that happen on a week-in, week-out basis?
2: I don't know. Honestly, I heard someone say what they, they described this year, Ohio, this Ohio State team, as like they're bipolar. And, and it's weird. Like, I don't know. It's tough because with the Iowa game, you look at them like on all fronts. It was, it's like at times they forgot what they had done for most of the season, offensively and defensively. And then they come out against Michigan State and just look amazing, especially, I mean, on defense from the jump was just – they looked amazing. and It's like they fixed all the mistakes that they made the week prior, and that doesn't really happen. A lot of times during the season you you stay pretty consistently, either consistently good or consistently bad. And this team, it's crazy how good they can be when they put it all together.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I was kind of noticing, and, and I'm glad you're you're on to kind of talk to us about it, was the linebacker play in general. And then you start last weekend, you know, having, you know, some most important defensive players out for the game. How does a linebacking core adjust to that, especially when they're exploited so badly against Iowa? Uh and and knowing that Michigan State's gonna come out and try to attack them with that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of it's tough when you especially it seemed like they didn't have a whole lot of notice, or at least we didn't know uh, going in. Until and all of a sudden we see multiple guys down. But I think obviously there's chemistry when you're on the field together. The more you, the more reps you get in a game, and the more adversity that you kind of face together as a as a core, that's just huge. You can't really like put a stat to it or even define it, but it, it's something that you you have this communication back and forth, and you know where the other guy is going to be, and you don't, almost don't even have to talk about it. So when you're when you're kind of rotating guys in and guys are getting banged up, it, it really is difficult to not only trust exactly what's going to happen, but you just don't really know how they're going to play certain plays. And uh, I mean, credit to the coaches honestly for for getting them getting them squared away. And that's the whole thing. You have to know you have to be ready no matter what, wherever you are on the depth chart. You might have to step in and get some meaningful reps, and you know how how much is on the line each and every play you're in. So I think the coaches have done a good job, honestly, of of working guys in and getting them reps, even
1: if it may be in
2: blowouts, whenever it is, finding a way to put them in, like, game situations in practice. Uh, it's – not everybody can do that, that's for sure.
0: AJ, can you wrap your head around as a player who played in a, uh, you know, a BCS era? I mean, can you imagine, like, two – like, they've lost twice. We still We've still got – three games to go, and they're still in the thick of a national championship because of the playoff because we have four teams. Um, I mean, that that wouldn't have happened when you played. Uh, The one time it did happen was LSU. Right after you left, it did happen. LSU, because of just a million things happened, and they stumbled in and and played Ohio State for the national title with two losses. Um, But the idea that these two loss teams are still in it, how much does that change the way you would view a season as a player? And um I'm I'm wondering because there's so much and Urban's fighting this like hell but you know you there's so much chatter about playoff like sometimes the Big 10 championship and maybe even the Michigan game get minimized because you still have this giant carrot of chasing a national championship out there despite two blowout losses.
2: It's. I think it's great if you're Ohio State to think like there's still hope. Like so, like right. my senior year, we we played Texas early on and we got beat. And right then we're thinking, okay, well everything that we envisioned is is gone. Even after one loss, you're thinking that. And then we went on and got beat by Penn State down the road, and and you know like well there's no chance then. We we aren't going to be playing for a national title. So I like it, especially with how crazy college football has been and teams losing that you didn't expect to and teams getting blown out. It's a uh, it's pretty uh, – I think it's good because you really truly, I guess, get to see who the best teams really are. You never really know week to week what team right? is the best. <laughs> it seems like when you when you watch college football, that's for sure.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about that real quick because Irvin Myers, you know, gone on record and saying, like, we're not even going to talk about this. This is in our conversation all that. Is that possible for players? I mean, I, I love the idea that coaches can kind of control the, the minds of, you know, 100-plus <laughs> people. But, like, is, is it possible to really tell – a group of players that know how good they have the potential to be and say, ah, we're not going to think about that at all. We're just going to focus on Illinois this week, for example.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, you could say it. And coaches, that's that's their job is to try to keep a team focused and everything. But I think it, at the same time, you use it as motivation. Your team knows, like, we kind, they don't control their own destiny, but they know if they went out that they could very well get in the college football playoff and you could still – Get to where you were hoping to get before the season even started. So I, I like that. That's when you know there's hope that you could still get to the highest level. It's it's huge for a team mentally. You don't have to sit there and talk about it, but you know, like okay, let's go out and take care of business these next couple weeks and, and see what happens and see if they uh, if we get in. And, and I think that's awesome. If you're an Ohio State guy, true, that would be huge for me right now.
0: It certainly is. And uh, I, I want to ask you about you've been around the program I for a long time and pretty pretty good student of the history of the, of the of the program and JT Barrett will play his last game in the shoe this Saturday. He has every record, you know, that you can have as an Ohio State quarterback. Um and yet there are people who see his shortcomings and 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 want to view him through that prism. You've you've observed this kid now for he's been on campus 5 years, 4 years as the starter, three-time captain, and first ever in the history of the program to do that. What do you see with JT as a player and and what do you think he's meant to the program?
2: Well, I mean, he—he he just all you gotta do is listen to Urban Meyer speak about him, and you know how much he is—he's brought to the program and, and what he does for them. Uh, and I think that's key to be a great team. You have to—it's—it's it's run through the quarterback, no matter what level you're on, wherever you are. You know, the coach is the boss, and we're gonna do what he says. But your your quarterback needs to be that leader that that gives everyone else around him confidence. And I think JT is that guy. And you saw that kind of after. I remember watching some of like the post game stuff after the Oklahoma game. Actually, Nugent, Mike Nugent, was over at my house uh, after the game, and we're watching some of the local news stuff and seeing guys. And every player, they were asked by the, the people like, "Oh, what are you gonna do? Are we gonna? Is it time to sit, sit? Uh, JT Barrett and, and see what else we got." And, and all the players. We're just like looked at him like they were stupid for even asking the question and urban did the same thing when he was asked the question. And I like that as a team, I think the team should stand up for your, your quarterback like that. So I think just that alone shows you what he's done for the program. I think people are just, they struggle watching sometimes, I guess how he could look so good one day or even so good. So not playing really well through three quarters and then look at Penn state, all of a sudden, just the emotions people went through in that game. Like, I can't imagine going back through the reading Twitter. If you go through the first three quarters of that game and what people are saying (laughs) compared to the end. And it's like, that's just how, that's just kind of how it is now though. I mean, that's with, with everything so available. um, But I I don't know, like with him, he, I think he's a stud. I really do. And for whatever reason, he he doesn't play as consistently as people, I guess, would expect a guy that's been there for so long and, and done the job, but it's a really tough position to play. And, Sometimes you don't have it, and the, the tough thing is when you don't have it against a team like Oklahoma, that's on the national stage, and everybody sees that, and you get beat pretty badly, and, and that kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouths. So, it, it, Obviously, if he can go out here and play really well these next couple of games and and, and uh, really have a great show up at Michigan, I, I think it can capitalize and, and really solidify his legacy.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's interesting how that kind of plays out because a lot of people, it feels like as far as his legacy goes, it changes week to week for some people. And it's not like they have the, they're have they completely incapable of using viewing his, his career as a whole. And I guess that makes sense. I mean, when you're, you know, when college football is such a week to week kind of thing and everybody's, what have you done for me lately? Uh, that'll happen. But I guess one of the things that I want to ask you about, and I say this because we've talked to people, uh, and players who are around, you know, around the same time where I was because we were at Ohio State at the same time. But, you know, the difference is that, you know, you're an elite football player and I'm picking my nose at outer end. So that's slightly different. Um, but the question that I had and when I was thinking about was, you know, how much has that changed? How much has the pressure changed in terms of, you know, how you're observed by the fan base and by the media uh, because of things like social media and how much have the expectations changed? uh going from you know the the playoff era versus the BCS era on like a week to week basis
2: yeah it, it really is it's week to week how people view your legacy and, and everything and i think now just players are more aware of it i guess because they they can't really hide from it even if they wanted to it's all around them they all have phones they're all kind of dialed into everything going on and and luckily i think when i was there I was super naive to to how big of a deal it was to be playing at Ohio State and, like, how each snap affected so many people within, <laughs> within the program and the school and everything about it. And I think it's great. Like, I came back to a – I remember coming back to a game during a bye week years ago and watching – watching it, it was a night game, and it just looked like it was just such a big deal, and I felt so nervous for the guys on the field. (laughs) And I remember just thinking, like, man, I'm so happy I didn't know, I didn't realize why I was there. Like, I was just out there having fun with my buddies, and we just enjoyed it and had fun on the field and and loved it and really didn't understand, I guess, the magnitude of what each snap meant. And I, I think now you're just kind of aware of it. You can't hide from that, and you can't really be naive, I guess, like I was when I was there.
0: AJ, I think, I think one of the, uh, you, you're one of those guys and, you know, urban does real life Wednesdays and I, you were a guy who you identify, you could identify from, even while you're still very much into your NFL career that you had an eye on life after football, that you knew it wasn't something that was going to last forever. And you've been really aggressive. Um, I was at 97.1 when you were doing the, you know, Brady and you were doing the show. And I hosted that a few times with you guys. And, um, I, it was something that you were, you were very clearly going to do and very driven to do. And I've seen you, I know I've seen you on Facebook doing games on Facebook live. Uh, I know you do the FS one. I think you got an MMA show on serious. You're doing a podcast with Barstool. Um This is very clearly your passion. What, what is it that, that made you identify media and, and talk radio for, to, to maybe a greater extent as, as kind of the place where you wanted to end
2: up. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the first couple of years when I was in the league, I, I, I always, I never took it for granted. I always knew that I'd have to have something that I was passionate about that I cared about when I was done because I knew it, all it took for was one play or I'd fall down the steps at home and I could be done and you wouldn't be playing football anymore. So I was always aware of that. A lot of times when players in the league are are, are living it, they, they almost don't want to think about what it's like. They feel like they're going to jinx themselves, I think, if they figure trying to plan for the future. Uh, and then – Probably for three or four years in, I, I real I thought I ah, may I think I'd like to possibly call games and get into like broadcasting. And then I went to the broadcasting boot camp that the NFL, excuse me, the NFL puts on, and that kind of solidified that yeah this is what I want to do. And I always want to I want to call games. I've been calling games for FS1 and did some Facebook games as well this year. And I love being there, being at the games, up in the booth, trying to dissect what's going on and figure it out. Being around like the the atmosphere and then the cool thing now is there's so many different platforms that you can Mm. you can get on and that's why I I watch football and I watch fighting and I get to talk about them both I get to go on (laughs) Sirius XM do a do a show on MMA stuff which I never thought I would get to do but I just you kind of have to find a way to to be aggressive and I started doing a lot more probably my last three years in the league saying yes to a lot more opportunities and, and really reaching out to different people all over the place and just trying to get reps everywhere you go and, and that's that's what i'm currently doing always i, I want to i enjoy it i don't know you have to find something that you care about when you're done and i, and I really do I, like i said i watch football and fighting i get to talk about them both so it seems like a perfect fit
0: do you co- any competition ah. with the the brother-in-law i mean he, he's chasing the not the mma but he's chasing the same thing a little bit right
2: Oh no, Brady! Brady's arrived. Brady—he does big games. He's number two crew with Fox right now. Uh, I know it. No, Brady's actually been like a great like mentor for me, and, and I've got to bounce ideas all. He got in a couple years before me, and Brady's really, really good. And we've actually uh, hosted um, shows on SiriusXM together, some of those NFL shows that are four hours long, and it's just Brady and me on on there talking. So I, I've uh no no competition with him. He's great, and he has a completely different way that he approaches what he does he's super he's a quarterback you know so he's type he A is, meticulous super, and i like to i'm detailed and prepared and everything but i think i'm just just a different perspective i come come at it with and uh so he's been a huge help for me honestly i was just talking to him tonight uh about a game i'm doing here in a couple in, in a couple weeks and just uh yeah he's been he's been awesome man he's Brady's really really good and i appreciate everything he's done for me
0: Yeah. You, it was interesting. You know, you guys, I only, I did that show maybe once or twice that you guys did, you know, a few years ago on the fan. And, um, I remember, I think I've told this story before where Brady would, most of the times you do a show with an athlete, whether they're still playing or not. And they basically just show up and, you know, that happens a lot. Well, they'll just show up and, Hey, what do you want to do? And we'll talk. And we'll, so we'll do an hour of radio. Brady would email me the night before with like 15 things he wanted to discuss. Like no yeah. one had done that. Like he was meticulous. And he was like, then if we do this and I was like, man, the amount of buy-in that he had on it was incredible. And, and you were the same and you guys had a great chemistry together, uh, obviously and, and that, that works too. I mean, that you guys, you guys could have, could do something, you know, the two of you that would, that would, you know, on a permanent basis, that would be, that would be very, very, a very good lesson. Cause you guys obviously have a very good chemistry together and it's, it's cool to see both of you guys have the success you're having.
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's something that I was always reaching out to different people in the media over the years, asking them like what's what can I do? What are a lot of mistakes you've seen athletes make when they try to transition into broadcasting all of like from anyone, Jim Rome, Cowherd, any of those guys, they all would tell me like you have to attack it and work at mm-hmm. this like you do football. You can't be it's true, when you see a guy go on say a guy goes on T V to do a panel show in the studio or he's calling games we all can think of different athletes we know that just looked horrendous because you're not just getting yeah. on there and talking football. It's not like, oh, I'm just hanging out with my friends and anyone could do right. that. no, that's not what it is. It's tough like you have to be prepared so i I enjoy the prep, though that's the great thing, especially calling games, getting on conference calls with the coaches, picking their brains, learning the teams, learning the schemes, what they do it's just, It's very similar to what I did when I was playing, so it's just a different way, and it's the so-called work, but it's not you know it's fun I, I really enjoy it.
0: AJ, last one. I'll get you out of here on this. I know you called a Wyoming game this year. I, I now live in the Cleveland area, and there's Josh Allen's the quarterback. What do you think of him? You think he's got a future in the league?
2: Yeah, he, I mean, he looks the part. That's for sure. Big, tall guy, like NFL prototype quarterback. He just makes some, some ill-advised throws at times, and that was funny. For our open, going into that game, play-by-play guy myself, we're talking about how he has all the tools, he has a strong arm, and sometimes his decision-making just was not there. And the first play of the game, he just threw a bad interception. It was brutal. Yeah. And uh, But then he came on, and he play, He settled down. He played much better, and he made you – we saw what all the scouts would talk about about this guy. And at one time, they're talking about him being the number one overall pick. Yeah. So really? you could see flashes of that throughout the game, and he actually – he brought him back at the end of the game and threw a game-winning touchdown and all of that. So I, I think he's, he's really, really good. It might just – he probably, just like every quarterback, he needs the right fit, the right scheme, the right coach with people around him that can really put him in position to make plays. I and mean, he could be really, really great.
0: In other words, not in Cleveland.
2: <laughs> I knows, said that. man? I don't, what are they going to – what do you do in Cleveland? I was with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was in Cincinnati the one year I was in the Bengals, man. I don't know. Hugh's a great coach. He really yes. is. And I just yeah. don't know what you could do,
0: AJ. At some point, don't you have to actually draft talent? Like at some point, like quit Doesn't trying it seem to be cute. Seems like cutesy? they do,
2: though. It seems like they're like finding, they're like stockpiling draft picks. They're drafting guys. Right. I mean, Miles Garrett, if he can stay healthy, looks like it's a great pick. But what he looks good. I just don't. It's it's so weird. It Is there's so many like, years of just built up. Like uh, I don't right. know, losing that it's just so hard to turn that around.
0: I think so. And then I think sometimes, you know, like the the whole idea of just acquiring pick after like all these a thousand picks, like at some point, you know, like if Deshaun Watson falls in your lap and you already have Miles Garrett, maybe just take Deshaun Watson. Like maybe you don't have to overthink it and and get an extra pick to take a tight end and Jabril Peppers, like maybe just take Deshaun Watson when he's sitting there. I think I think sometimes they just try too hard to be the smartest person in the room and, and which is crazy for that organization to to act like it's the smartest person in the room on anything because it's you're right though it's culture too i mean it's a it's just it's a bad deal man and they're a long ways away
2: sabermetrics Saber, Saber right isn't that their thing now <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, you know they got the guy from moneyball who's watching over their picks and their assets so i guess they got that going it, we, for them we, which saw, is nice.
2: we saw what happened with the uh what was it the Garoppolo debacle and all this other stuff yeah. like that's there's one, I don't think Hugh Jackson's a huge fan of, of saber metrics no. and all of all of this math equation. He is a great talent evaluator. I'm guessing they're butting heads a bit.
0: Yeah, that's probably why the A.J. McCarron thing almost happened and then didn't. You know? Yeah. I mean I'm sure Hugh went to yeah. the ownership and said, Go get me a quarterback. I mean, I like Deshaun, but he's twenty one. Like he just shouldn't be thrown to the fire and he said go get A.J. McCarron and they they you know, they botched that, but it's been rough, my friend. Appreciate your candor, as always, buddy, and uh, and continued success in your career. And, and thanks for spending some time with us here on a, on a Tuesday night.
2: Man, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: We want to be sure to remind you to visit 11 Warriors dry goods for shirts, hats, stickers. I believe there's some alcoholic uh, holders for alcohol that are coming. Oh, there wouldn't have to be alcohol. I guess you could hold juice in them or water or iced tea, but I will hold bourbon in them. Uh, go to drygoods.11warriors.com. Are those on yet? I don't think they're out
1: yet. They you know what I I keep They're incoming, I think. Yes, they've been they've been teased. I know that. I know it. Yeah. Um but you know they're 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 nice. They're really nice and once they get in there I think they would be really great gifts in this holiday season. So They would. And you. it is
0: the season of giving. So we yeah. encourage you to give with with the dry goods. Um all right buddy it's senior day and uh, you know you can't sit here and talk about uh I'm I'm not going to talk about Illinois. I mean <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to Illinois. They are what they are, and and that's it. it it's a shame. I, you walk in their stadium and you see Red Grange and Dick Butkus and Richard Mendenhall and Simeon Rice and Kevin Hardy and all these guys, and and what's left with is, you know, one of the best coaches the Chicago Bears have ever had, maybe second best to George Allis, with all the respect to Mike Ditka, Lovey Smith coach in this group, and they're just lost. They're just dreadful. And so they're sure. not going to provide much of a challenge. By the way, let me get your take on that. What do you? Why do you think Illinois has shift, has just drifted into a relevancy?
1: I don't – you know, people have been talking about – this is a weird seg, I guess, segway beer. But, you know, people talk about, like, Gruden to Tennessee, right? And I don't even yeah. know what, honestly, at this point, what bona fides he has in terms of college football, frankly. But – I think a lot of people get enamored with the name. They get, you know, they they think that because you're an NFL coach and you can be successful an NFL coach, you can be successful at the college level. It has nothing to do with your ability to actually figure out the X's and O's and game plan and all that stuff. You got to recruit. You got to be willing to recruit. You've got to be, you know, affable. You got to be interesting and engaging to these high school uh, kids who are playing. And if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to build a team. And look, the state of Illinois has talent you can lock down Chicago and a lot of these other places in Northern Illinois, you should be okay, at least not garbage. And if you're not able to do that, then you're going to be eaten alive by Wisconsin and Iowa and all these other places around there uh, that will pick up some of those players that might want to play for Illinois. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I just, I don't think they've got the talent. I don't think Lovey Smith has been able to get the kind of recruits that they need to get. I don't know that his name carries a whole lot of cachet, apparently with, you know, these kids in, in Illinois and elsewhere. So I just, to me, it's been recruiting. It's been talent. I don't think he's a dummy at all. I just think that they have missed a huge opportunity to capitalize on that, and the the talent just isn't there. It's just not there on the roster at all. It's
0: it's mystifying to me. I think you hit it on the head. I think you know Illinois is never going to get the. We were I was talking about this with Evan Spencer, Chicago kid, today on the television show, and he's and he said, "Well, they're not." I said, they're not trying, they don't need to get you and your best buddy, who's the best player in Illinois at the time, but they need right. to get like the third through eight guys in Illinois. And at yeah. that point, they're better than Purdue and in Indiana, and they're better than Northwestern. They should be better than Northwestern. There's no reason not. And, and so that's, that's the deal. And yeah, the Lovey thing doesn't seem to be working. What this game will be remembered for, though, very simply, is senior day. And there, this is an emotional time uh the best one i ever saw the most well not the best the most emotional one i ever saw was johnny simon who couldn't play and we all knew what happened to johnny that week and how hard he tried to play and watching him limp out and fight back tears was just uh was the hardest one i ever saw they you know they beat michigan that day and that was nice but boy that sucked that he couldn't play in that game um there's a little juice taken off of it when it's not the michigan game Mm -hmm. it's illinois so that's you know kind of is what it is um but this will be about billy price it'll be about jt barrett it'll be about some other seniors but those are the guys that to me when i think of price gets overlooked so much but like 51 consecutive starts um and then and obviously jt I mean, this will mostly be people remember this mostly as jt's final game at ohio state but but i i don't want to forget about billy and several other seniors who are great um but it's senior day and that's what it's for and it's your last chance to shine on that stage
1: yeah and when you've got this group of guys you know that that have done a ton of service for the IC football team. I think that's gonna be really fun to watch. That's actually you know, I didn't anticipate on getting tickets last weekend, but I we me and my fiance I do have tickets for this weekend and, you know, Illinois mid November game, not usually something to get super hyped about, but I'm really looking forward to the the senior day like, you know, kind of entrance and everybody getting recognized. I think that's gonna be really fun, uh, especially when you're talking about the group of guys that you're talking about, you know, this year.
0: JT so, go last or do you think Billy Price goes last? Last one
1: I uh did. I. That's a really good question. I, you know what? I think it's probably Billy Price. I honestly think JT's going to have the. Might be right. I'll have the decorum. He'll be like, you know what? I'm going to give it up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let Billy I do that right. and, and represent. So. I think, that's I think you're what he right. Knows.
0: And I think that speaks speaks a lot to JT's character because I'm right. guessing that the uh, the standard would be for JT to do it, but I'm guessing that Billy Price does it. Um, yeah, I bet look, he, was- he it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could do, th- we could do three things, but it's basically, here are the three things. Look, the part, that's it. I mean, there's really, I have a, I have a different, have
1: anything else. Else? yeah, my three things two. are don't get hurt. That's it. <laughs> okay.
0: So those are the two, don't get hurt. Look, the part, those yeah. are the three things. Just handle your business. And, right. uh, and get out of it healthy for, for Michigan the next week. Do we have any Ask Us Anythings this week, my friend?
1: We do. Uh, we're, I re- you know what? I really like the professional Ask Us Anythings that we get on Twitter, where it's like, uh, you know, they send us one of those notes thing and it, you know, it, clearly some thought was put into this. So this is from Evan Moore. Um, he's got two kind of quick ones here. Aside from the university footing the bill, what is the difference between an official visit and an unofficial visit?
0: I believe that aside the fitting the bill parts, the biggest part, Yeah, um, I, mean, that's pretty big. I think that's, that might be the only difference is that mm-hmm. one, the university pays for and the other one you pay for on your own. Right. Um, you know, this is why I don't know the recruiting ins and outs that well to know of, of another difference, but I, be, there might be some difference in terms of, you know, how much contact you can have with a coach. But um, I think that would be about it. But that's why you see so many kids take unofficial visits you know, everybody panics about Emory Jones going to Alabama, and maybe you have a reason to. But that's what that's about because he can drive to Alabama and go to Tuscaloosa and go to a game. You know, yeah. he's not going to fly up here on his own dime and go to Buckeye games when it's not his official visit. So that's you know that's why recruiting's tough if you if you're not in the vicinity of a player is those unofficial visits.
1: What well, was about to say? I mean, that's what makes it so significant because if you've got an official visit and you can take whichever ones you want, you'll travel around and whatever. But if you're taking an unofficial visit and it's later on in the recruiting process and, you know, maybe you're already committed to someplace that could, that could mean something that might, that might indicate a few things. So I think that's, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, And then (laughs) uh, he also throws out, Evan Moore throws out another one here and this is, you know, pretty, I I would say this is a question that every podcast that's ever existed has gotten when it's solicited them, which is, uh, do you prefer New York pizza or Chicago style pizza?
0: New York landslide not close and i i mean chicago style pizza it's not a pizza it's a casserole <laughs> <I> mean, it's, <laughs> well okay
1: because i knew you were I mean, gonna say a, that bo i knew yeah, you were gonna say that because the the addendum he put on this question is and don't give me any crap about chicago style not being quote pizza lol and practice.
0: i mean it's pizza i guess but i mean i don't <laughs> not by the normal definition i mean there's just yeah. so much to it like it's you know, I'm a New York slice guy. I I like it. I like a slice. I like, I like to be able to fold it. Um, I, I can't ever find that pizza in Ohio. I don't know if it exists yeah. in Ohio. I've never had it. I've never had a good New York slice in Ohio. And I like a lot of Ohio pizza, but I haven't had like a New York slice pizza in Ohio. Typically in Ohio, they want to go with a thicker crust. Typically in Ohio, they want to go with a crispy crust or they want to, and they always want to go square cut, which I can't stand um so uh, you don't get a new york slice, around do you have you had a good new york slice around here by the way which one do
1: you pick uh well i i mean new york i agree with you i mean it's you know i it's not that i dislike chicago style it's just no i don't either new york's better Um yeah, I like, chicago, like so late night slice on campus did a you know does a pretty good new york style pizza i think it's not okay. fantastic i think i've had better and in, in, in new york especially but Certainly. uh it's decent it's it's not terrible i think it's good in a pinch especially if you're hanging around high street and you're you know, kind of roaming the night, I think that's, that's a good place to go. So that's where I always went okay. when I was in college. Uh, you know, if I was feeling a little, you know, greasy and wanted to get something, um, okay. let's do this. Okay. This is from Alvin. I I'm, I'm actually really curious on your take on this. I've seen you talk a little bit about it on Twitter and some other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alvin just wants to know, uh, your take on, on the Columbus crew, save the crew. How do you feel that's going? Where do you think that's going to be?
0: So I hosted uh crew extra for four years. When the crew were on o n n at the time. And, and um I think that that I think that Anthony Precourt can be a duplicitous scumbag and the city of Columbus has can be could have been incredibly negligent with the Columbus crew. I think both can be true. I think yeah. Precourt. I think this is what Precourt wanted all along, and he got it, and he's gonna get his way. They're gonna go to Austin. I hate to break people's hearts, but it's just the, the commissioner of the sports behind it. I mean, it's, I cannot foresee it being overturned. Um, at the same time, um, there is a great and loyal fan base that's getting screwed in this, but there aren't enough of them. The city of Columbus, from a corporate standpoint, never fully embraced the crew. Um, all you have to do is look at where they, where they train in obets. I mean, that's a joke. In MLS in, in 2017, that's a joke to think that an MLS team trains – in obets, um, the city has done next to nothing in terms of trying to advance um, them getting into a, a soccer space, a real, you know, a sock, a, a stadium that's an experience. Like if you've been to other MLS venues, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Crew Stadium is wonderful because of its history, but it's archaic and it's outdated. And the city ha- may, had no interest in trying to help the crew in any way. So um, I feel terrible for the for the dedicated fans and the incredible guys who I've met playing who played for the crew and supported the crew and the broadcasters and the, and some of the guys in the front office and certainly a lot of the former players who I got to know very well and the diehard fans. Uh, but the reality is, is that the city of Columbus, the traditional media in Columbus did very little to support the Columbus crew and most of the time scoffed at them. And that's just the truth of it. Um, yeah. They would, they treated the, the crew as red uh, redheaded stepchildren. They had really no interest in them other than, Hey, here's a, Oh, great. We got to go talk about the crew. That was all the traditional media in Columbus had no interest in, in trying to treat them as a serious entity until now. And and so I see all, I think it's both. I think it's pre-court duplicitous scumbag and the city of Columbus was negligent with their product.
1: Yeah, well, I and mean, we've talked about this a little bit before. And to your last point, I really agree with that because I, I, I don't know, you know, you've got Andrew Ginther out here and talking about how they're going to talk to city leadership and they're going to talk to mm. business leaders and all this <laughs> stuff. And that would have been really nice had they been doing that on a consistent basis for the last 15 years of or course. so. Uh, I mean, the Hunts
0: made no secret they were trying to sell the franchise for years. Right, our was trying to sell it for years. Exactly.
1: So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I'm, I'm with you. I think eventually this does get done, but not until the political leadership of Columbus has kind of been given their chance to show people how much they really care, quote unquote. About all really? this going down, they got to make a little little out of it. They got to be able to say like, "Oh, we tried, guys. We tried really hard." That's it just what didn't I work
0: think. Out. I don't. They're not going to do anything. They're not. No local money's going to show up no. and, and let them no. build a stadium downtown, which is what they wanted. And there was all sorts of space downtown where you could do it. And right. they didn't want to give them the money. They didn't go. Well, they didn't want to. They didn't want to work with them and give them the space. It's yeah. as simple as that
1: right so i I think it's it's all over but the but the screaming i think people are gonna make a big stink about it i think you know the the city leadership will continue to to pretend like they really care uh but ultimately i'm with you i think they move somewhere maybe i mean if not austin they'll probably figure out someplace else um because there's a lot of cities i think would welcome that and and i'll tell you something else buddy that
0: that this is a big blow for that city because Columbus has Columbus is used to being told how great it is, and people tell it right. how great it is all the time. The sit, people who live there, outside media, who comes in, anybody who visits, Columbus is great, it's great. What a boom town, second-best city in the Midwest, so forth, so on. When they lose the Columbus crew, and I do believe they'll lose the Columbus crew, there will not be another professional sports team that comes into that city. Yeah. Because Major League Baseball is not coming, the NBA is not coming, you already have the NHL, and you're not getting the NFL. And you're never going to get another MLS team. Whatever you think of MLS, you're not going to get another one. That means you won't have USA, Mexico. You won't have any of those things that you're used to having you won't have. And that's a shame for a city that has as much going for it as Columbus has going for it. With all that money and all that population increase and the fact that it will be a one pro town team. Now, I know Ohio State football is a pro team. But even still, Columbus has enough money and enough people to support more than Ohio State football, Ohio State basketball, and the Blue Jackets.
1: Right. Yeah, and that's, and I agree with you because that's once that's gone, it's gone. They're not, they're not going to re expand. This no. isn't a Cleveland Brown situation. They're not going to look, be looking to bring them back as soon as they add a couple more teams. So, yeah. No, that's, it's done.
0: So that's yeah. a shame of it. I, I mean, I feel terrible about that because there are great people who love that team. Great people yeah. who love that team.
1: Yeah. I've had several friends who work for them. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it, it has a following, but apparently it just hasn't been enough. So, and, and like you yeah, said, no support, Johnny.
0: No support. Right, Not, exactly. by the local Not enough nation, investment yeah, no to
1: support from the city.
0: No. So. Mm-hmm. No, no. They were always treated second citizens, second class. I mean, they were never viewed on the same light as uh the blue because it wasn't locally owned. The powers of Columbus didn't own the team. It was yeah. always owned by outsiders. And so they were never they were never there the more this this the arms of the city were never wrapped around the the Columbus crew and said, You're us. You're with us. It was never it, not the way they've done with the Blue Jackets. Certainly not the way they do with Ohio State. Um, and they, they didn't need that, but they needed to be given something, and they just weren't. They were ignored for the majority of their time there.
1: Well, that's a shame, and, and hopefully, you know, miracle happens. And no, they're still going to move. Yeah. But it's not, this isn't going to be a yeah, feel-good sports story. No, sport this is going to end poor. This is going to end yeah, poorly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's Ask Us Anything, guys. Continue to send in questions, dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast.
0: All right, buddy, good talking to you. Next week we will talk about The Game, a little thing called The Game. We'll do that oh, next week, my man.
1: I'm excited. I'm really pumped. I'll talk to you then. All right, buddy, take care.